everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Golden Age podcast. And today is one of the, I, I mean, I've been waiting to do this for so long. Today I have Rob Hardy with me. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I'm mm. really looking forward to our conversation. How are you doing? Dude, I am excited, man. Yeah, uh, just thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, I think... I don't know. You sort of picked up on the like the modern golden age idea without me ever really talking about it, but it's the yeah. thing that I care most about yeah. and think about all the freaking time. So I'm just I'm so jazzed to talk. Awesome, awesome. So speaking of jazz, uh, I studied music and I learned how to play the guitar, and I couldn't help notice that in your background and in your YouTube <sighs> videos, you have a bunch of guitars in your in your mm. uh, wall. So I just thought that we could start mm. there. Like, what's your relationship with the guitar? Oh, that's such a complicated question. <laughs> right now, my my relationship with the guitar is um, not much. There's not much of a relationship, mm. and it's interesting. So, I'll, I guess I'll just like go through this like linearly. Um, guitar basically saved my life. And I don't know, that might be a little hyperbolic, but as a, like I was a troubled youth, um, as a, as a, you know, as a teenager, I got expelled from middle school. I ended up at a boarding school where I was, I was really edgy. I was really like pissed off all the time. Um, you know, I had some, I don't know, my stepdad had died several years earlier. So there's just like lots of anger. Mm. Um, and I was taking it out on my mom. I was taking it out on other people. Um, and you know, part of that is also just like teenagers are angsty and stupid and just feeling all their shit anyway. Um, and guitar came into my life and I just threw myself at it like relentlessly to the point where I was, you know, I was that, that kid who was just like locked up in his room all day, like practicing for eight hours and like I go to school and like do the stuff. But really what I wanted to do is just go back to my room and play the guitar and yeah. I was writing things and do like, I don't know, like that was, it was an outlet for all the, just all the negative shit I was, I was feeling and going through in my life. Yeah. And it gave me a constructive, a constructive place to put that energy that really kind of pulled me out of a, a downward spiral um, mm -hmm. that I was caught in that really, really turned my life around in a place where it was kind of uncertain whether it, yeah, where it was kind of uncertain whether I would turn out to be like, I don't know, a sociopath or I don't mm -hmm. know, that something, I don't know, maybe that's a little, again, hyperbolic. But mm -hmm. so the guitar stuck with me like all the way through, all the way through high school. It was my obsession. I had originally planned on going to school for music production and uh, a combination of like jazz and, and music production at the mm -hmm. University of Denver. Um, and essentially I, I, I wasn't good enough. Part of it was that I was entirely self-taught. I wasn't, um, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily read music that well. Mm. I couldn't like my sense of rhythm wasn't that great. I get lost. I don't know if be like, mm. um, jumping into like some improv with people, like I would get lost and couldn't really, I don't know, just like, couldn't really like find my place in like proper jazz. So I, I ended up pivoting, pivoting to studying film mm. in, in college and just like treating the guitar as like a secondary thing. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't know, I went on to like do film for a while and like had a, 
like started a business, like an online business around mm-hmm. film. That's kind of what led to Ungated. Like there's a whole other journey there. Yeah. But with guitar, up until maybe like a year or two ago, like it was something I felt really guilty about. Mm. It was something I thought I should be still deeply passionate about. I thought I, like it was still, it was still basically part of my identity. I was re- like, I beat myself up a lot for not practicing, not being as, as good as I once was not, not getting like, I've gotten worse over the last 10 years by yeah. probably, probably quite a lot. Um, and somewhere along the way, like I, I, I stopped enjoying it because I was caught in those mm. mental cycles. Mm. So part of what's happened over the last year or two is just me giving myself permission to let go of that part of my identity. Yeah. And it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't play anymore. It's more that when I do play, it's not from a place of obligation. There's no yeah. heaviness. It's from a place of like, Oh, I'm just going to like bang on this thing and make some noise and sing yeah. badly. And it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so interesting because when I had my wrist injury and I, and I changed to, 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 to corporate training, um, there were a lot of people that, um, first of all, there were a lot of people that asked me how, if I didn't feel bad because I just wasted, I don't know, a bunch of years in my life, which makes no sense because music teaches you a lot uh, that goes beyond, beyond music. But the second thing was I, I actually felt that guilt as well because I, I, I was enjoying doing corporate training. I was enjoying doing public speaking. And so suddenly, and, and, and it's real fun because I too had to go through that journey of um, like learning again how to build a relationship with the guitar that was based not on being a professional musician, but on being... Or, but on having fun playing the guitar, right? And 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 like uh, almost like a non-coercive approach to the guitar. And so and and so that's that's so interesting. You you were playing jazz back then, or you were playing any other? Not, so I like I love jazz with every fiber of my being, but I am not. I am not nearly accomplished enough. And I'm not deep enough into into theory, mm-hmm. into like all learning all the standards and like yeah, all of the yeah. things that one has to do to be a proper jazz musician. Like, yeah. I just never, I never got to that place. But I, so mm-hmm. I play a lot of, a lot of folk, a lot of rock, a lot of blues, awesome. a lot of, yeah, just like, and I don't know. I went back the other day, not the other day, maybe like a week ago, and found my old SoundCloud from mm-hmm. when I was like 17 years old, um, and it, you know it's kind of sloppy and badly recorded yeah. and all that, but. Like there's some really interesting stuff there. It's mm-hmm. like real. I don't know. Is you probably know like Joe Satriani type stuff. Yeah. Like it's very kind of virtuosic, but like mm-hmm. really interesting and dreamy and like layered. Mm-hmm. And me playing with like harmony and like all sorts of cool things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I I don't know. Like I, for a while there, I was kind of doing my own thing. Yeah. But so th- these that's... days, it's mostly just like folk songs. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that, that's awesome. Like and and those were your original songs. In, in that mm-hmm. SoundCloud, awesome. So so you've been putting like, because there's there's almost like this relationship. It seems that you started to put out content, even though a different kind of content. But really soon, how? Why did you do that? Like, was there any need to share um, something, or is just, or is it, it was just fun? And honestly, I think I think a lot of that early stuff. Um, that I put out 
was only there because I, so I, I enrolled in like the online version of the Berkeley School of Music mm -hmm. um, and did a few different classes and mm. like some were in Ableton Live, one was in jazz, one of like, mm. um, and having a SoundCloud or having these things uploaded the internet was like a prerequisite to be able to do stuff. Yeah. So I think I, I, I uploaded most of that like as an accident, just mm. cause, or not, yeah. not as an accident, like, but for a completely separate reason mm. other than like, I'm going to make content. I'm going to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. So let's start with, uh, talk a little bit about Ungate. And, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, of course, I want to ask you what's, what's a modern golden age to you and like how you see that relationship and then we will go full in. But first, I do want to ask you a very specific question, which is, Yes. Like I follow a bunch of newsletters, websites, and oases around the, the, the internet, which from someone who's, who's hearing this and doesn't understand what oases mean, Rob will explain it, uh, I, I'm sure, because he has an amazing course called Oasis Building 101. Uh, and, but I, I follow a bunch of these newsletters and websites and all that stuff. But man, you have the most beautiful visuals that I've ever laid my hands on <laughs> like the, and, and, and they they there's like this um line that it's always like the same style and I was wondering like are, are those originals are those uh, from a specific artist like tell me a little bit about about that oh my god okay so this is maybe like the happiest accident that has ever happened to me because I used to just use kind of the same generic like unsplash or like pencils images just you know royalty free yeah. images that everybody um and it was when i was doing i i went through ship 30 about a i don't know a year or two ago and i was like i need something that will like where i don't spend like an hour trying to find the right image because i was always mm -hmm. really picky about it mm -hmm. um and i stumbled across this guy on unsplash so they're royalty-free images. His name is um, J.R. Corpa. Mm -hmm. And that's just what he does. He has that really captivating abstract style. Or it's kind of like, I don't even know how you describe it, but it's like really vivid and there's like little paint splashes and he juxtaposes colors and really, but they're all very distinct, um, mm -hmm. distinctly him. And they just have a distinct vibe to him. And I fell in love and he's got hundreds of these images for freely available on Unsplash. So it's my secret weapon. Yeah. Like it's like the single best branding choice I have ever made is just yeah. to use this guy's images. Um, yeah. And I kind of don't want to tell anybody about him, but like, yeah. it's it's amazing. Well, uh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say, cause I think a lot about how can I create a place that, that feels different, mm -hmm. that feels Yeah, I don't I don't even have have the right right word for it, but mm. like I'm always thinking about how to differentiate myself from the people. Yeah, I don't know, from everybody else this, this ties into the oasis question, right? Mm -hmm. Is like so so I don't know, we we could just go into that. Yeah. Like an oasis, if you take the metaphor literally, it's a a, a place that is nurturing and safe and delightful and that meets your needs in a landscape that is surrounded by just like terrible barren nothingness for lack mm. of a better way of putting it that's surrounded by a content desert and i think about this in the like transposing that over to the like to the internet and the content and the creator landscape and 
so much of what's out there is so boring, is so predictable, is so soul-sucking, is so kind of like manipulative and and like I don't know, it just it'll just be adjectives from here on out or just like the same word, but but it's one of those things that I just have an intuitive sense at this point that I don't want that. And I think that's always, always been there for me. Um, mm-hmm. When I started my first business um, called Filmmaker Freedom in 2015, at the time I was writing for a filmmaking blog called No Film School. But what, it, what, what, what No Film School was, or still is basically, is like kind of like the filmmaker's version of BuzzFeed, just kind of like really really cheap articles with a lot of like really clickbait headlines. It's all ad driven. So you really need to get in as much ad or as many page views as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all felt so, so soulless, kind of like a lot of the internet did. And there was a, a drive for me to go and build something different that felt deeper, that explored the things that I cared about. Like at the time, like everybody in the filmmaking community was obsessed with gear, the latest cameras, the latest lights, all these fancy lenses, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's the same in, music land you know people getting obsessed with all of the various toys yeah (laughs) um but i like i wanted to talk about the craft the soul of cinematography the just like the mindset of being a filmmaker like all of these various creative blocks that prevent us from doing Mm. like work that matters which it's wild to me that that's still kind of like the driving force of where i'm at Mm -hmm. so i i kind of set off on my own with a with a goal to do that and over the course of like four or five years that I was working on that business I had I don't know it it felt like once or twice a week at least somebody would reach out and be like man I just stumbled into your world and it feels like a breath of fresh air it feels so so different from everything I'm used to Mm -hmm. in this ecosystem and people would say like I just want to stay here I just want to live here and like that was sort of like the oh shit, like what this is, is an oasis moment for me. Um, I think I just did it intuitively at first, but over like over the year, especially over the, like the last two years as I've really like thought about that and made that more concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've tried to distill into more of a strategy, but like ultimately what it is is a place on the internet that is fueled by what you most care about and your curiosity and the things that you want to say, the things that are true to you without you playing by all the bullshit rules of, you know, the content landscape, the internet marketing landscape. And it's the place where people who are like you, once you, you know, quote unquote, find the others will come and it will feel like home to them. Mm -hmm. It will feel like a place that they want to live on the internet because it is so different because it is so nerdy and interesting and deep by somebody who clearly cares and wants to, who wants to be there and isn't just following some soulless best practices. So it's, yeah. 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 Can, can I just ask you a question? Like what made you want to actually go that way and, and, and go against all those bullshit rules instead of just going with the flow? Cause it's easier to go with the flow, right? It's easier to have, yeah. like, to do the clickbait and, and, and that kind of articles. And like, what, what were you, your internal motivations to just go against that current. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that has kind of happened in phases. Mm. Um, Cause like it's, so it's always been driven by intuition, like a sense mm. of having done things a traditional way and then felt really 
out of alignment is maybe the best way of putting it. Always feeling like I was forcing myself, always feeling like it was an obligation. It was something I didn't want to do, but kind of had to, which just led to all sorts of unnecessary, I don't know, suffering is a heavy word, but like it it applies is when you're just spending your days trying to like force yourself to do things that you know are not true to you and that you know are not are not meaningful or good or true um so like when i left no film school originally it was a sense of of intuition of like i just don't want to be here i have to build something because if i stay like and the money was good too like Mm -hmm. that's the that's the crazy thing looking back on it is like i had a really sweet ride doing easy work that paid really well but it killed my soul and so i like made the leap into starting my own thing um and the like the funny thing is though like when i started my own thing it came with a lot of like financial secure like scarcity and insecurity yeah, of course. that pushed me back into a lot of best practices mm. that like and that that's one of the that's like that's the big reason that ungated now is so focused on avoiding a lot of this stuff is because I spent four or five years like deeply doing all the best practices of online marketing and really trying to make them work and always feeling shitty about them. Hmm. Um, and it was, so it wasn't until the pandemic and like the lockdowns that I had another one of those, Oh shit moments where it's Hmm. like this, if I keep going down this path, like I am not ever going to feel how I want to feel. I'm not going to do work that matters. Like, I'm just trying to force it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, like I'm, I, yeah, I don't know exactly how to, how to f- like frame what my internal state was other than I know this pattern now mm. of being in a place of sort of like scarcity and like falling into needing best practices because they, they give you a sense of control. They give you a sense of, of security and kind of a chaotic world. Yeah. Um, but I, I know how much it kills my soul when I follow that path. Yeah. I know how much it limits me. And I know, I know that if I do that again, it will lead me to a place that I don't want to be. So I've lately, I, I've just been exploring um, and playing around from a place of like, I don't know exactly how it is that I want to show up in the world yet, but I know mm-hmm. how I don't want to feel. So yeah, more than, more than anything, it's, it's that, right? It's it's not wanting to go back to a pain that I have experienced numerous yeah. times. Yeah. So uh, how, how did you develop that, um, if you develop, like th- that self-awareness of, of being yeah. able to, like, because it to me, it sounds like your North, your North Star is, is almost like this intuitive feeling. Like, have yeah. you, how did you develop that? Yeah, I don't know if it was on purpose. I, I mean, I read a shit ton of like, like personal development books and whatever all through my twenties as one does. Um, and you know, all of them are like, you should have more self-awareness and like, I don't know, maybe I picked something up somewhere along the way, but, um, yeah, I don't, and that's, that's the interesting thing is like, I, I don't know how self-aware I was like, prior to the pandemic like there was obviously mm-hmm. something there there was al- mm-hmm. always an intuitive sense of various things but it, like there was something about like the pandemic and the lockdowns for me that really was just a giant yeah. pattern interrupt yeah. um, and i it, i've had this conversation with so many people like it was a it was Absolutely. a global yeah 
and like wake like it woke a lot of people up and put mm-hmm. them on new paths and got them questioning their lives up to that point and like mm-hmm. i think i think probably in like five years or 10 years we'll look back at the at the pandemic and the lockdowns as as some sort of like turning point yeah towards, absolutely. A, towards a healthier world absolutely but yeah okay, yeah so let me just ask you a question uh, uh going a little bit back about oasis and one of the things that i really enjoyed about your content is is that you 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 practice what you preach and what i mean by that is that if anyone opens and gated they'll not find like this do these five tricks to get whatever right it, it just yeah. doesn't happen like that but what but i do want to ask you like if because people should definitely do um everyone that's trying to have like this um presence online presence should do oasis building 101 uh and i, I was wondering like if you let, let's say that you're you, I'm, more, i'm let's imagine that i didn't do it yet like mm. for me what's in it for me if if i want to do the course like just tell me tell us a little bit what the course is about and what mm. are some I, I, I didn't want to say like the three things that will help you build like always, but like what's in it for the course and why people should, should just do it. Yeah. Well, so that might require a little bit of a step back. Go I ahead. frame, I frame on gated, like it's tagline as the missing instruction manual for 1000 true fans. And I assume most people are familiar with it, but it's essentially the idea that to make a living as a creative person, you don't need to reach millions. You don't need to be at a massive scale. You just need to find 1000 people who are diehard fans of your work um, and have some sort of economic model where they pay you directly. Because usually for creatives, there's like layers of like middlemen and there's like wild bureaucracies and whatever. Um, So it's about having a direct relationship with your fans and having a deep relationship with your fans. And the underlying promise there is that you don't necessarily need to sell out. You don't need to please the masses. You don't need to shave off your rough edges or like the the things that you believe that are maybe a little bit weird or out there that are like really alive for you that probably most of the world doesn't believe in. Cause like, that's what, that's what has to happen. If you want to be, if you want to succeed in the traditional models, you have to be inoffensive for lack Mm -hmm. of a better way of putting it. With the thousand true fans model, what makes it work is the depth of the relationship, is the fact that you are unlike everybody else out there, that you're not just some lookalike copy, copy and paste like creative person who, who's making inoffensive work, but you are doing things that are uniquely true and alive and vibrant for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can bet your ass that there are a thousand people, or I don't know, it might be 10,000 people, it might be 500, like it's a thousand is an arbitrary number, but they're like based on the fact that the entire world is networked together. Now we're not constrained by geography, like the entire world and all of their weird, weird interests are networked together in this way where we can be our weirdest selves and find those people who really vibe with it, do work that matters to us, be connected to people who really see us and cherish us for who we are and make our living that way, like build a flourishing life that isn't constrained by a lot of the dumb bullshit that sort of gets in the way of, of creatives actually feeling how they want to feel, yeah. which is, you know, connective and doing work that matters and doing work that lights them up. Like, so that's, I don't know, that's, that's broadly the spiel and that's the benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the Oasis is just like one frame for how to do that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a, it's like a recipe maybe, or like a, it's like a way to think about the problem. Um, cause in, you know, a lot of people come at it, like, how do I make a thousand true fans? And they end up doing a lot of these marketing best practices. They're like, oh, I just have to put out content three times a day on Twitter. I have to write threads because that's what gets attention, yada, yada, yada. But the, o the Oasis idea is, is simple. It's to build the corner of the internet that you want for yourself, that you would feel at home in. It feels like a container that you want to spend your time and go deep into all your weird interests and make the kind of art that wouldn't ever fit into any kind of, and I, yeah, I use the word art loosely. Yeah. Like it could, it could be anything. Um, but make the things that would never fit into those those best practices, those templates, those like just follow this process and you'll get mm -hmm. such and such result. By making the things that feel alive to you, you attract the people who are, and that, yeah, you attract people who like that. And, and like, that's the thing is like, that's how you create true fans, not by doing the same dumb bullshit as everybody else, but by being yourself. And I, I hate saying that because it, it sounds cheeky and like, just be yourself, man. Like, mm -hmm. But there's, there is something there about like following your intuitive sense, about following where your curiosity goes instead of just like playing it safe and looking yeah. for, for easy answers and, and best practices. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes back to self-awareness, by the way. Like if you, you've been through the course, so you know like what I do in like literally every course is have people mm -hmm. explore through free writing or free speaking or mm -hmm. like I give people points to explore their inner world yeah. and to see what's there because that's ultimately what leads you to these places not yeah. not external answers but the ones that are already within you yeah that's like one of the things that i really liked about your question that really stuck my in my head was like this idea of um your your strategy to, to create an, an oasis should be something along the lines of acting on your values or then committing to be the change that you want to see. And I remember thinking about that and thinking, well, that's really different from what I'm used to, to, to listening in, in, in marketing courses because it makes me, it, it forces me to think, to really think about, well, what are my values? Like, what do I want people to 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 um, associate, uh, associate with me when they come into my webpage when they come into my work when they listen to this podcast and and so it's 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 a, yeah it ties back again to, to self-awareness because it, it it's a very distinct way of developing the self-awareness in terms of specifically how you want to show up on the internet and and it's and it's it's, it's awesome and one of the things that i really enjoyed also about about your work and going moving a little bit from Oasis to Ungated, um, and I I really enjoy it. like you have this um, article that says uh, that talks about the principles uh, your business principles like you have like these eight principles and I'm going to ask you specifically so they are I'm just going to read them out loud so they are play the long game simplify or die don't be a commodity default to generosity make friends have fun create happy customers experiment and iterate and embrace the messy middle and I remember the first time that I I, I look at uh, at those I was like those weren't the principles that I was expecting, because once again, because that's that's why I like you so much, because everything that you, you put out is way different than what I 
of my previous mindset of what I was expecting when coming into a website or in uh, that talks about marketing. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about these principles and how did you come up with them? Um, and if you have like any of them that you um, value uh, more than more than the others. Yeah. So this is really interesting. I, I think I wrote that article about a year ago. It was probably, I don't know, April or May of 2021. And I still, I still broadly adhere to those principles. Like they're, they're, so this is interesting. I think I'm always trying to like come up with, with a map for myself. Cause like broadly what I do at Ungated or I have been doing is just exploring. Like it's a very, yeah, it's, it's essentially me admitting that I don't like the status quo of mm -hmm. online business, online marketing mm -hmm. and being like, yo, I don't know what a better way forward is yet. Um, but I know, I know how I want to feel in the world. I know how I want to show up. I know that if I'm not showing up as myself, adhering to my, my values, then whatever I'm doing is not worth it. Like I would, I would rather just get like a, a day job, um, than, then just be sort of like a generic creator who's doing it out, out of a place of like obligation and just doing it because that's what works. Cause I've, mm -hmm. I've done that and it feels like a prison to me. Like it feels suffocating. Mm -hmm. um, so one way to answer the question you just asked is that most of those, most of those principles are the polar opposite of how I used to operate. Um, so I don't know, we'll take one of them for example is like um, experiment and iterate. For me, like I've, I've since reframed this as, as bottom up, like building businesses from the bottom up instead of the top down. Yeah. But the way I used to operate in the world was trying to think myself into the best answers, the best strategy. It was about consuming as much as possible to give myself that, that security blanket of knowing that I had all the best information and the best strategies. Mm -hmm. And then I would go and like build these meticulous business systems, like 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 big landing pages or like 10,000 word blog posts that would lead into like these epic email sequences that would then mm -hmm. lead to like some sort of, you know, like automated backend with like a sales page and like all, yeah. like all the things, right? Um, because that's what I saw people in, in sort of the space doing. And then I wanted to do it better because mm -hmm. like I have that kind of thing is like, I don't really like how they're doing it, but I am going to go better and I'm going to deliver more value and so on. And the thing that I experienced over and over and over and over is that whenever I build some complex system, I pour a ton of time into planning and building something that I think is like exquisite and detailed and cool. Mm -hmm. It never works in the real world. Like reality always just like kicks me square in the dick. Yeah. And it's like, ha, 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 Rob, you haven't learned this lesson yet. So you're gonna second. you're gonna feel more pain. Yeah, <laughs> second loser. Um and I like I legitimately stayed trapped in that kind of pattern for years because it like we talked about, it kind of comes from a place of insecurity. Because mm -hmm. like I'm I don't know, I'd be filled with self-doubt. So I would go like look for information. And then I would kind of keep a lot of my work to myself and build these systems and and keep learning in the background because it's scary to actually interact with the real world it's vulnerable yeah. to put out your work and your ideas and face potential criticism and pushback or to hear that you're not as smart as you think you are mm -hmm. <laughs> um but i like i did that for years and years and years and 
that was one of those things that the pandemic for whatever reason and being forced into lockdown just to like have way too much time to think it was like mm. oh shit i cannot keep operating this way and so like that's where the bottom like so broadly speaking that old way of operating was top down yeah it was it was trying to exert as much control over like a complex system as possible yeah. um and to do it through like proper strategy and proper planning and just trusting that if you execute on the plan you will succeed which which sorry to interrupt but which in itself is like it, it's designed to fail because complex systems have too many variables right there's there's this mm-hmm. awesome talking i don't remember the, the, the guy's name but I'll, i'll look into it and then had it in the links of this the description uh which is like he talks about how we should reframe how we think about when 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 we're trying to solve problems that deal with complex systems thinking in terms of su- success and failure uh is is basically designed to to ruin the project because when you think about that you'll optimize the specific result that may not even be the best result in that system and, and yeah. he, he proposed something like along the lines of thinking about how healthy or unhealthy is uh, a given uh, endeavor in, mm. into, a, into a system. And that makes so much sense, at least for me, which I relate with this, this strategy of approaching to healthy uh, versus unhealthy. I, I relate that with bottom-up approach, right? And, and, and so, and, and, and go ahead and explain people how, how what yeah. is bottom-up approach. Yeah, well, bottom-up, is is basically what you just is just said like it's it, you like you still set out in a specific direction um like that's sort of a prerequisite for all this you kind of want to know vaguely where you're going yeah. w- move towards something that is meaningful to for you but then instead of throwing all your energy into finding the right answers and building the perfect plan and sort of like being in the background and all of that you kind of have to take a leap of faith into the world. And I, like, I use that, that phrase leap of faith in a, like, like this is maybe the thing that ties together so much of what I'm doing on, on gated is that all of it is scary and unintuitive. Mm-hmm. And so when I say, when I say take a leap of faith with bottom up, like you have to let go of the need to have all of the answers. You have to let go of the need to know the exact path. You have to surrender your need to control everything. And that is, it's just an unintuitive way of being in the world. But like, once you do that, you can approach this entire problem from a place of curiosity and play and intuition. And so what, like this, it comes back to experimentation, like experiment and iterate, right? Like I think bottom up is just like a more, it's just like a, maybe like a, a, a bigger container for that. But what it really means is to go interact with the world, to listen to what your intuition is telling you is meaningful. Like what's an exciting next step? What's a little bit scary as a next step? Mm-hmm. How can you go actually into the world and play with it mm-hmm. instead of, because like top down is very like all or nothing. Like it's yeah. like you either succeed or fail. Yeah. You either, you're either sticking to your plan or you're fucking up, but bottom up, it's just going out into the world and and fucking around and finding out and seeing what happens. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's jumping into the world and actually experiencing reality. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, right? Yeah. By doing that a lot, by running lots of little experiments and trying things and seeing how it goes and interacting with the real world, instead of just trying to find all the answers in your head, you get so much real data 
about how not only like how the world actually works in all of its mm-hmm. glorious complexity, but how that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Because like this is another thing I learned from like my first business, the filmmaking business, is that there were all sorts of things that I thought would make me feel great, like a, like a business model, right? It's like so many online businesses operate based on like launch cycles. So they'll run like three or four launches a year. They're these really big, high profile events. Mm-hmm. Um, and since everybody's doing it, you just kind of assume like, this is how it's done. I will feel happy once I am successfully executing this model. Yeah. And I, I did it for a couple of years and it sucked. Like it was fucking <laughs> terrible. Like launches are, are absurdly high pressure. They're so stressful. Not to mention the fact that this model keeps you in sort of like this, this feast or famine mode. And if a launch doesn't happen to work, it throws you into famine or famine mode. Like, yeah. and I had a few launches that didn't work as well as I thought. Like, this is a very tangible example of like building these complex systems, these complex launch sequences and doing all these marketing things. And like, then for it just to like not work for whatever reason is, is soul crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it just did not contribute to me having a good life. Like it, it heightened my sense of financial insecurity and my, like all of these things I didn't want to feel. It led me to being really stressed, pushing me into these sort of like phases of like burnout and then like finally getting back to it and then burning out again, like yeah. is it's not a good life. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're operating from the bottom up, like you can go test out a launch, maybe two launches and, and see how it goes. But if you are approaching it from this, this, this frame of like iteration and seeing how it actually feels, you can make that call where it's like, yo, launches do not feel good to me. Like mm-hmm. they don't contribute to the kind mm-hmm. of business that I want to run. They don't make me feel how I want to feel. This is not what my good life, my fulfilled life looks like. Yeah. I'm going to go try something else now yeah. instead of just staying stuck in this like abusive pattern where you're you're doing the same thing as everybody else. Like over time you end up just experimenting and iterating your way into something that looks like nothing else that's out there because, you know, everybody's going to take their unique path through this very, very complex world. And you're going to end up with something that actually feels good to you. That feels intuitively correct. It's operating in a way that, that, isn't stuck to best practices, but is, is fueled by what you think is intuitively worthwhile and good. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. that's, that's it, man. Yeah. It, it's almost because I, I, I was listening to you and, and, and it's curious that you mentioned leap of faith, because I, I think that the biggest difference from, from, from those two approaches is like the, the feeling of freedom that you have. Like in, in, in when, when you think about stuff from a bottom-up perspective, you're free to actually be who you want to be and change and admit that right now, today I want to be this, but tomorrow I may be something different. And 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 when when you think about it in the top down, as you say, it's like you get stuck in that specific framework, that structure, and that's who you are and what you want to be and changing. And, and it's funny because you mentioned like the, the expression leap of faith. Have you seen um there's this uh, animated Spider-Man movie. I don't know if you have seen it. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I don't think. Oh, well, I, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a very big fan of superheroes, but you definitely need to see this movie because it's, it's like, it's about this kid 
and I try not to spoil it too much. It's about this kid um, who, his name is Miles Morales, so he's not the typical Spider-Man, uh, but he gets the powers from a Spider-Man and he suddenly understands that there's a lot of Spider-Mans around and all of them are different. And he's, and that, the, the whole movie to me is the, the, the process of him embracing the kind of Superman that he is instead of all the others. And it's so funny because one of the, I mean, it's one of my favorite uh, movie scenes ever. It comes from that movie and it's called The Leap of Faith, which is the moment where he decides, I'm getting chills talking about it because that's, yes. it's, it's, so awesome. it's the moment where he decides that I, I'm not going to be like the typical Spider-Man. I'm going to be my Spider-Man. And, and he comes from this uh, neighborhood. And so instead of having like this typical suit, he, he puts a, a woody on and he has like, and, and, and instead of, of just going around with webs, he, he kind of parkours at the same time. And so like, I, I believe that having like this bottom up approach is like, it's basically having the freedom to express who you are instead and, and get somewhere instead of trying to get somewhere by, by almost like limiting yourself to who you think you are, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I believe that the major difference, maybe that one, like the freedom that you get, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but- Dude you just made so much fucking sense. Like I want to watch this movie and it feels, it feels so aligned with everything we're talking about here. Like, cause like my, I don't know, this might be a good transition into this idea of golden ages, but I come from like a firm belief that every, every human is imbued with both innate gifts and like learned gifts. And there, there are these things that we are uniquely capable of this unique come like we are, we're all this unique, rich tapestry of perspectives and experiences and gifts and, and whatever that we could uniquely bring into the world. Yeah. But like, we live in this system largely defined by like the industrial area that's sort of like carried through it's in our, it's in our school system. It's how we like typically do jobs and all of that that forces, I don't know, that, that basically conditions us to be cogs in, in the machine, for lack mm-hmm. of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. So like part of what I want to do with, and like it's, it's fascinating to see how that's translated over to the creator economy as well. This thing that is ostensibly about freedom and about doing great creative work and about mattering and being yourself, but there's still something there that keeps so many people limited and trapped in very narrow ways of being. So like part of like the goal of ungated is, and it like ungated kind of means like, you know, like opening the gate, like there's a bunch of, but it's, it's freeing yourself in these various ways. Mm. It's about understanding like, (laughs) like I, it's like, I'm hesitant to get into like, like the word spiritual, Mm. but like, there is something S like, there is something core to the the experience of humanity something beautiful about the human spirit that when it's unchained it can do beautiful things and i mm-hmm. like that that is it the at the heart of what this is is it's not necessarily like here's how you build a business on the internet because yeah. like there's a there's a ton of those fucking places it's it's about a new way of being in the world that that fundamentally i i don't know like i i i'm just wary of like sounding like um no please go ahead like Like, yeah i was yeah but like (laughs) like opening up what's there and letting your light shine Mm -hmm. like it sounds tacky to me but like that's what it is like i believe there is something 
beautiful at the core of all of us that if we if we really took the time to explore and be in the world and it's not again it's not an answer that you can think yourself mm -hmm. to, into like most mm -hmm. of us have to go into the world and be a little bit awkward and uncomfortable and try mm -hmm. things and and try on new ways of being and and get feedback and continuously explore ourselves to really like understand what our gift is what our dharma is like i'm reading yeah. this book right now about a it's like translating the um the Bhagavad Gita into, into sort of, I don't know, Paul Millard recommended it on Twitter the other day. Mm. Um, amazing. But like, there is like, there is something there that I believe that collectively, mm -hmm. like as more people opt out of like the industrialized, like sameness and sort of like start opening themselves up and exploring and connecting with people who are like them. And like, this is how you start that spiral up the dominoes toppling into a golden age is, yeah it doesn't, it doesn't come from, you know, some like top-down institution. Like there's no government that's going to usher us into a golden age. Like it, it's yeah. a revolution that's born out in the soul of every person. It's an awakening mm -hmm. that happens there that then, you know, like spirals out into yeah. our, into our families, into our relationships, into our communities. And you layer in the internet on top of this and our ability to reach anyone anywhere. And like, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. But no, it's, but, but it's fucking big, man. Yeah, but, but it makes a little sense because I, I also believe that because um, there was a moment before I started the podcast where I thought to myself, like, I have to have this very clear vision of what a modern golden age is because here I am trying to make a podcast about it. So I should know what I'm talking about. Right. And then after a while, I realized, well, no, because what because if I if I bring like this very fixed version of what I think it's a modern goal. That's that that will be against the principles that I believe will apply in a modern golden age, which is freedom, which is co-constructing something, which is sharing, which is mutual building something, right? And so, and however, I do believe there are some things, some principles that will allow us to get in there. And and it's funny because I, I I talked with Norman Chile on the first episode of the podcast and he he um he, he talked about how we lack the infrastructure as governments and, and the relationship between governments and individuals to actually get to a modern golden age. And and that makes sense, but I do believe that that will come after this first revolution, this first internal revolution that you're talking about. And I think that started with I think that starts with embracing spirituality. And and, mm -hmm. and and when we talk about spirituality, we're not talking about like having a religion or or like I, I, I had like this priest. It's so funny because I talked with him today. Like I had this priest that completely changed the way I looked at uh, religion and spirituality because he like I, I, I was raised Catholic. And, and so I, I was going to the church and in the mass, like we, I, I was used to listen to these priests that all sounded the same. And I remember this guy coming in for the first time and saying things like, there's people who will never put their feet inside of the, of the church and will go to heaven way faster than most of you that are here. And I remember him saying that and I was like, what, <laughs> what, huh? what? And I remember yeah. talking with him and, and he, he explained to me that like spirituality is, is something that goes beyond religion. It's, it's about how you... It's about your connection with, and this is my words, not them, but I believe that spirituality is, is, is your connection with love. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and we have all these crazy definitions about love. 
and and maybe some of them are right. I do believe that there's this universal love. Um, and personally, I believe that we can get into a modern golden age if we tap into that. And maybe universal love to me uh, is something that is, it's probably not the same to you, but there will be some shared um, characteristics that, that will make us connect. And uh, so, so it's, 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 and it's scary that you're like, you're saying that you were hesitating in, in talking about that. And that's because yeah. I, I believe that sometimes what happens is like, we're used to associate spirituality with this woohoo things or, or, <laughs> or like a God and, 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 and all these institutions. And I personally believe that spirituality is it's about love and loving not only others but ourselves and that's definitely one of the principles for for a modern golden age right yeah dude you just said it better than i could i think so this, i think like that's exactly how i am conceptualizing spirituality at this point like because it like i the reason i'm turned off is just i look around and i see the people who classify them as themselves as spiritual and they're it's an aesthetic mm. they're like look at me doing all this astrology or like, I'm a yeah. witch, look at my tarot cards or whatever. Yeah. Like, and like there, I, I do, like I bought a tarot deck a while ago and I think it's an yeah. interesting tool for like self-discovery, but that's a, a different conversation. But mm. like, there's a lot of really cringy shit that comes with that label. And I, like, I think the reason I'm, I'm hesitant to use it, actually there, there's two reasons. One is like, I went all the way, all the way through my twenties as kind of a, like atheist isn't the right word. Um, but just holding that belief that, you know, like religion and the trappings of, of organized religion are responsible for like a lot of the ills in the world and like, yada, yada. It's a very, you know, Western 20 something like um, perspective that you yeah. pick up out of college and, and whatever else. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there is, I had this sort of like scornful. Yeah. I was vaguely scornful towards it. Mm. So it's interesting because I, I just like I, I don't know I turned 31 this year but like it's another one of those things that the pandemic and again I think a lot of it comes from like thinking about this idea of leaps of faith mm -hmm. and surrendering to something mm -hmm. that that almost requires the the architecture of spirituality in the way that you defined it mm. about like loving yourself and trusting yourself and knowing that whatever you are at your core like you call it the self like deep down this this essence mm -hmm. is the same as the essence of everyone yeah. and everything around you and if you can learn to tap into that and love that you can like it's so much easier to make those those leaps of faith into the world yeah because you're fundamentally already safe you're already loved mm -hmm. and you're already yeah like so there's there's something there but it's i don't know like the other reason i'm i'm kind of a little just hesitant about it is like it comes from my marketing brain mm. knowing that the people i'm trying to reach and like mm. the types of creators i want to pull into my fold are very mm. likely similar to me like a lot of them come from sort of maybe similar backgrounds or who who think about religion and spirituality in the same kind of like skeptical maybe even scornful way yeah and who when they look around like the internet and they see people who classify themselves as spiritual. They just like roll their eyes because it mm -hmm. is a lot of cringy shit. Um, mm -hmm. So there's there's just like a hesitancy to use that label. 
yeah. because of the stories that people already have in their heads yeah. about what the label means. We need a new um, word, but there's, right? there's something there that that essence of self that is is extended out to everything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely need a new word, right? Like something that describes that feeling without the history that we associate, we associate with the world with the word spirituality and spiritual and, and all that stuff. Definitely, uh, that, that's something I will look into. That like finding like this random ancient word that maybe describe that feeling without without all that story. That's that's awesome. And and, and, so, and it's funny because it's only doing that and and making this segue into into because because I think that you somehow but I don't know if you want to um, add to this, like, have, do you think that you already described what the modern golden age um, is to you um, throughout our conversation, or do you want to put it in a more specific, concrete? Um... Mm. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in your camp in that I'm, I'm wary to be really specific about what I mean. Although like what I will say is that if we buy into this sort of like bottom up approach, mm-hmm. part of what that come like I can like I can do bottom up and how I approach creating my own sort of definition of a of a golden age. Yeah. But that also comes with a bunch of other people who have, you know, slightly different ideas doing it themselves and and groups of people exploring it in different ways and like that's that's like part of the the beauty of this whole bottom mm-hmm. up thing is that it's collective and collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um and that we're all driving at something a little bit different, but our work will interact in ways that, you know, slightly, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm getting at other than like this collective collaborative bottom up pushing towards something that no mm-hmm. one, like no one of us can necessarily can, can control or envision, mm-hmm. but collectively there will be some sort of emergence between us um, yeah. that will look nothing like um any specific vision, but we'll, you know, collectively get us to where we want to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that makes a little sense. Were you, were you going to add anything? Yeah. Just like, I think a lot about this as being um, like domain specific, I guess, is like, like, I'm not necessarily thinking how can we create a golden age for all of humanity that encompasses every nation that encompasses like, like how we reform the nation state and how we, how we govern ourselves better Mm -hmm. and how we solve like financial insecurity across the globe. And like, Mm -hmm. like, like, cause, cause I think all of that can be encompassed in what we mean by humanity's golden age. Um, My focus mainly is, is, unlocking the power of the creative spirit and mm-hmm. unleashing it upon the internet. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that the internet is going to have all of these, these network effects and emergent effects that will affect the real world, like the mm-hmm. physical meat space world in, in different ways, especially once people are unleashed to say what they think and really be who they are breaking out of some of like these old industrial ways of being into something that is a bit more spiritual yeah. that is a bit more connected and interconnected and built on love instead of fear and like all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I'm focusing my efforts right now on, on that one particular domain. And it's funny, like it's like, I'm using this thousand true fans thing kind of as a Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. Like again, it's, it's a marketing thing. I know mm-hmm. that people are really attracted to that idea, but what I'm essentially doing is, 
is instilling a new set of values, a new way of being in the world that once these creators who all operate in like different niches and different subcultures, like they are going to go out into their little corners of the internet that I will never have influence over, but they will. Yeah. And they are going to be models for new ways of acting in the world. They will demonstrate new ways of being that are disconnected from like the broken status quo of what came before. And who the hell knows who that will inspire and and the ripple effects that that will have across the internet. So, yeah. Yeah, And and that makes a little sense because thinking about like a modern golden age based on how can we er eradicate poverty and do all those stuff, that would be thinking about uh, modern golden age from uh, like um, top down approach, right? And what we're doing is basically the opposite. So we want to do that. And, 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 and it's funny because it's, it's so funny that you mentioned values because the, when I was thinking about, I need to have like this clear vision of, of what a modern golden age is, I let go of that idea and I embraced like this one, which is like, I want to discover what are some of the values goals beliefs and practices that we may share mm. that will allow us to get there i don't i don't know what that is but i know yeah. that if i talk with different people from all these different corners around the internet basically mm-hmm. uh, i'll definitely i think maybe i don't know i'm not sure but i think i'll start to see patterns and i can then point out those patterns to other people and say look i've talked with a bunch of people about this and like most of them talk about being free to uh, be yourself, for instance, or most of them talk about, um, I don't know, connecting with people that sh- are somehow share your interests. And, and I believe that once we understand like what are those patterns and then just come to the internet, because basically I, I, I believe that we'll start there and say, look, here are some of them. Then we can have like this ripple effect that, that, that you're talking about and, and, it will then get into that modern golden age. Because once again, I, I don't think that we'll get there by having like this crystal clear vision of what it is, but like mm-hmm. a, a crystal clear need to bring some kind of change into specific environments that can then have a ripple effect on other environments and creating like this bigger change. Um, so so that's definitely something that we're, we're, we're aligned with. and. And it's funny, just going back a little bit, because you were talking about like having this approach. It's, it, it's you need to believe that you, you don't need to believe, but it's easier if you believe that you're already like encompassed in this self-love and that mm-hmm. your your own true being will be able to, to face the challenges and the things that are happening but that that's the correct approach and that takes me to like this last article that you published which is called non-coercive <laughs> marketing uh and 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 i was talking with you a little bit about this before we started because um like there was a moment when i was teaching just a little bit of backstory when i was doing all these courses uh and these coaching sessions and 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 all those corporate training stuff um i was really focused on how can you improve your performance. And most of the times that was related to how can you make sure that almost every emotion that you're feeling is positive and you're dealing with that. And so people created this fake version of me um, where I didn't feel negative emotions at all. And what happened was, and I admit that in in an article that I wrote that I kind of enjoyed that 
I enjoy that lie because it made me feel special, right? But the truth is, I'm not like that. I feel bad emotions as well. And, and there was a moment where I, where I realized that I need to learn how to express this. And that's when I first realized that I was, I, and I still have very, uh, I, it is difficult for me to share vulnerability. And so what I did was I realized, well, I need to understand people that I admire. How do they do that? How do they share that vulnerability? And, and I, had, um, I had Danny Miranda on the show and he, I don't know if you know him, he's a podcaster, he's a very cool dude. Uh, and he, he uh, recently he shared that he was having he, he was struggling with sport betting with sports betting and I remember yeah. that he, seeing that bit made me realize oh look Danny has problems and he has the courage to admit that and so when I was reading your non-coercive marketing piece um, you start that piece by telling uh, your own origin story uh, and so I was just I'll pass you the ball and let you talk about it. But just by by first saying that, I really admired what what you did in that piece. And 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 from someone who's trying to learn how to be more vulnerable, more vulnerable, it really helped me out uh, into into having a bunch of conversations after reading your article. Like, yeah. and I'm talking about like yesterday and today. I I had some deep conversations being vulnerable. And your article definitely helped me with that, but I'll let you talk uh, and, 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 and tell the people what, what you say in that article. Well, first off, just like props to you, man, for like going. And so I, like I'll t I guess I'll talk about that article in a second, but I'm, I'm so captivated by this idea right now that courage is contagious. Um, mm. I went on a, I went on this like weird little retreat, just like intuitively, maybe like a month ago that like, it was an emotional processing retreat. It was up in Vermont and it involved a lot of, a lot of shit that I was uncomfortable with. Like the entire retreat was basically shit that I was uncomfortable with. And then, like a couple things in particular, like somatic emotional work. Mm. Um, so like really feeling into your body. Cause I'm usually up in my head intellectualizing yeah. things. Um, doing things like ecstatic dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was I was the thing that, yeah. That's awesome. Scared the shit out of me. But the thing that I took away from that retreat is that I like, I guess there are a couple things. Like one of them is that every time I jumped into the arena, so to speak, and just sort of did the thing that I thought was uncomfortable and anxiety inducing and scary, I felt great. Like there was a, a sense of aliveness and self-respect and maybe even joy that came from that. Like after the first like two minutes of feeling awkward at ecstatic dance, it just felt fucking great to be like flailing around yeah. and doing all sorts of crazy yeah. movement, like letting the music flow through you. And there was, there was something there that I had never felt before that I had never like allowed, like I'd never allowed myself to go there. There was always something in the way, but mm. once I took that leap of faith, um, <laughs> There was, there was just like an entire emotional world there for me mm -hmm. that I now have to explore. Like there's still a lot, a lot there for me. Yeah. And the other thing from that, that retreat was the courage is contagious thing, right? Is like when you're in an ecosystem where everybody is kind of on their edge, doing uncomfortable thing, taking their own little le leaps outside of their comfort zone, like it raises your baseline level 
of courage. And especially when everybody is like kind of loving towards one another and encouraging. So like actually giving each other courage and, and lifting each other up. Like it, it's just an experience unlike anything else I've, I've ever had. And it, and like, I brought it back with me into ungated. Like I, I now realize that courage is the core value is like the centerpiece of everything that I'm talking about on ungated. Um, because like all these things that we're talking about is like operating from a, a place of love, breaking free from best practices, doing creative work that nobody else, but you could do like subverting the status quo in ways that feel meaningful, like, and, and operating from the bottom up instead of the top down, like all of these things require courage. They require that leap of faith. Um, and another one of those things is, is courage to be vulnerable, right? Is to share those things that feel uncomfortable. And so like, that's, that's what that article was for me. And like, it's a story I've been sitting on for a year. Um, because like my, my, like the, the long story of this is, or the short story, I guess, is that I made some changes in terms of how I approach my relationship to eating and food that then translated into how I approach marketing and business and life. Um, but what I essentially did in that article was just come out and say that like, I have a really shitty, abusive, addictive relationship to food. Like, you know, some people turn to they turn to sex or screens or TV or smoking or drinking or whatever. Like we all have those things that we turn to, to run away from the, like the things that we don't want to feel. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's always been food. Like it's been that way since I was a kid. It's been one of those things that I carry like a great deal of shame around. Like I remember like even as like a, I don't know, like a 10 or 12 year old or whatever, just like sneaking out into our garage to where the freezer was and like, eating the ice cream sandwiches that we had out there and then like feeling really guilty. It's like, it's a whole thing that I've just been kind of carrying for years. Um, and it really, really got bad over the course of my twenties. Um, as I kind of isolated myself and it kind of ties into like this, um, you know, me ha having like a lot of bad feelings around like when I was writing for that, that filmmaking site, when I was building yeah. my own business, yeah. Um, it led me to just relentless eating, like eating just copious, copious amounts of stuff. Cause I was just in like a constant state of feeling like shit about everything, mm -hmm. about where I was, the type of work I was doing about like all these things. And then obviously that compounds into yeah. gaining a lot of weight and feeling extraordinarily self-conscious about about my body, about my image, about my romantic prospects, um, and having like that shitty self-worth then ripples out into how I think about business and my mm -hmm. marketing and all of my relationships and friendships and all of these things. Like it, it got me to a really, really dark place. And like food is that was it like at the root of it? Like it was always mm -hmm. the thing that started the downward spiral. So for years and years and years and years, I tried all of the things that one does. Like there's, there's an entire multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Like here's how to fix yourself. It's just, just try keto, just go do CrossFit seven days a week, just hire a nutritionist, do, just, just do whatever. Like there's, yeah. there's so much, and most of it is based on rigid top-down rules, like mm -hmm. rigid moralistic top-down rules of like, 
everything in this category of food is good. Everything in this category is, is bad. And you are a bad person if you eat these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I would always do these things. I discover a new, a new paradigm, a new, a new plan, a new something. Like I was always seeking novelty, seeking that next thing that would finally save me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd get really excited. Be like, finally, I found the thing. Do it for two to three weeks, feel pretty good, but then run into a shitty day. Mm-hmm. Like something would happen. I'd get a bad email. I'd have, I don't know, I'd just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And there'd be just exactly zero willpower. There'd be, there'd be a part of me that just had to rebel against all of this, all of these restrictions that I had been putting on myself that then started all of these patterns over Mm. and over. And I got really kind of fatalistic, really hopeless with it, really, really just kind of resigned to the fact that this pattern would always dominate my life in some capacity doubted my ability to break free from it because I like I literally tried everything like all of Mm. the things um but the thing is is like they were always like external solutions like I everything started from a belief that I I wasn't to be trusted at my core yeah and that I needed something on the outside to control myself yeah um and it was working and I I tell the story in the article but like I was working with Michael Ashcroft as a coach um and he asked this question of what if you didn't need any of these fancy external systems or solutions? What if you didn't need to put crazy amounts of pressure on yourself and be so, be so rigid with what's right, right and wrong? And what if you just trusted yourself to make the right decision? And the question just kind of like blew up my entire conception of everything. Um, it's wild how one question can do that. Um, but that's, that's what essentially like started me down this path of, of non-coercion. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know how deep you want to go into this in regards to like what it actually means, but fundamentally it's built on that question that you are already trustworthy at your core. You already, you already know what to eat, how to act, what the moral thing is to do, what the right thing is to do, what the, what the best next step for you in life is like coming back to a lot of this, um, like bottom up stuff. I believe that we have those answers within us and that we are, we are trustworthy if we, if we believe that we are, that that will lead us to good places. But specifically in this context of food, where that led me was basically this concept of intuitive eating of this mm. idea that your body is like this very, very intelligent, beautiful system that is always giving you data about what feels good, about what doesn't, about what gives you energy and makes you feel vibrant and alive and what makes you feel shitty and sluggish and gross. And mm-hmm. like, if you just listen and do the things that feel good, <laughs> you, will, you will be healthy as like a downstream emergent effect of that. Um, is just stop doing the things that feel bad. (laughs) And like, it requires so much trust in yourself to actually, to actually do that. But I've been, I've been working on it for the better part of a year and building trust with myself Mm because it's not, I don't think it's just like a decision you can make, especially after like 15 years of, of not trusting yourself. Like it takes a while to repair that relationship, Yeah, but 
increasingly it works. And I worry less about food than I used to. And even if I have a shitty day and eat some like too much stuff, like it's broken that pattern of shame Mm -hmm. and that pattern of constantly spiraling out of control and feeling out of control of my life because I know that I can come back to something stable and solid, which is the self that that's, and I, like, I I don't know. It's not like I fully, fully love myself, fully trust myself and fully healed my relationship with food yet. But this sort of non-coercive intuitive path is the thing that has done more for me in that. And like, I can always feel it healing. Like it's a constant healing process and Mm -hmm. it's working. Um, and I've been talking a while, but then that translated to like how I thought about marketing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But but yeah, that, that was a very, um, beautiful and, and, and thoughtful answer. And, and yeah, you you gave me a lot of things and and it's so funny because and you just say it it requires a lot of trust and it's so funny because i'm I'm so used to hearing that um it requires a lot when when talking about a bad habit i usually uh, hear the 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 sentence it requires a lot of willpower but but it it, but you're changing you're fundamentally changing the paradigm by saying it requires a lot of trust not willpower because willpower comes from a place where you don't like what you're doing and so you're pushing against the wall and you're pushing and you're pushing what you're saying is completely different what you're saying is it takes a lot of looking inside and and self-love and saying and 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 almost like looking yourself in the mirror and saying look you got this i i trust you right and and it's it's have you read because you're you're i don't know but that that book just popped out in my mind have you read um kamal ravikant's um love yourself like your life depends on it yeah it 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 does remind me a lot of that process of just embracing who you are and 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 understanding it you're already full you're already complete and 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 you can do that and and it's so fun because like you're and I know, and we'll get into marketing if, if 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 that's 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 what what the conversation asked for. But your um, the intuitively eating, it's almost like you can replace like the eating for any bad habit, right? It's it, 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 yeah. It, as long as you have the intuitively before, because that's what because that's the major change right now. You're not seeing having a bad day or, or eating a specific meal as something bad it's it's no longer uh it's almost like you're not processing that as a failure anymore it's just it's just something that happens and okay so let's go back it's like slowly drift back your attention who you are to yourself and of course i'm talking about you but in my mind i'm talking about myself not about you yeah. <laughs> but like we all have, like you say we all have our own um like uh, Achilles heel, right? Like that, those specific things that, that have, have some impact on, on us. And so thank you for that answer. Uh, Cause it, it, it really made me think and I'll, pro- I'll need to act upon it. And, and one of the things that just going a little bit back, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I do want to say this, like that what you're saying, it, it takes a lot of courage, right? And and you're talking about how courage is the core value of, of, of what you're doing. And, and it and we can all get more courage, courageous courage. Yeah. If if everyone around us is is operating on the edge and we're supporting each other. And and, and I'm I'm bringing that up again because 
I truly believe that we can do an awesome job, uh, an awesome job helping others, encouraging others to do other things. And, and, and let me, I'll just want to say this, which is like, I, I, I sent you the link for, for the Zoom conversation uh, and your reply was full caps, let's go. Like with a bunch of O's around. And you have no idea how, like the amount of courage and, 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 and just calm and, and I don't know how to express it, but like it, it made me feel really good. You know, and, and 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 in fact, I was I was just recording before we started. I was just uh, talking with my girlfriend now, and I was just sharing that. Like, look, I just sent the link to Robin. His reply was, "Let's go!" And now I'm really hyped because <laughs> I know he's hyped. Like, and and sometimes people yeah. think about like we can that is almost well. I want to encourage others, and I want to help others, and we need to do all these big things. But sometimes the only thing that we need to do is just send a DM in full caps mm-hmm. and that will be enough right uh and and and, yeah. and and i truly believe that and this is my my conclusion uh, like i truly believe that with we can apply that not only to others but to ourselves like sometimes mm-hmm. all we need to do in order to promote self-love is, is, is to do like it's to say send a message a dm saying let's go to ourselves it's, it's small things we don't need all these big changes right and and mm-hmm. and that's why i yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I'm just, I'm just rambling too right now. Dude, uh, I love all of that. Yeah. So much. Um, I have a, a couple of thoughts. One is <laughs> this idea that encouraging somebody is like, it's, it's like the, it takes no energy. Basically it takes no time out of your day. It takes, it takes almost nothing, but it can change the course of somebody's life. Absolutely. It can, it can just start them on an entirely new track, but, and like, plus it feels good. It feels good to be encouraging, to be enthusiastic, to be friendly in the world. Um, to again, and it kind of comes back to a lot of the self-trust stuff is like, you kind of have to not be in a total place of scarcity and think that everybody's like, I don't know, that playing like zero sum games. Um, so there is something there, but I don't know. Like, I, it's just one of those things, like the more encouraging I am and enthusiastic and friendly and, and whatever, like the better my life gets, the better I feel, the more friends I make The like yeah. it all, it all just contributes to this. I don't know to the, like, again, and the other thing I was going to say is like this courage thing ties beautifully into the, the new golden age, the modern golden age, like for us to get from where we are right now, which is kind of a, a, I don't know, our, our status quo is shitty in so many different ways. And for us to get from here to there, it's going to require so, so, so much courage. It's going to require people breaking out of old ways of being and making those leaps of faith into something that is new and uncertain. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, right. Is if courage is contagious, like that's the thing that gives me, that gives me hope is like, if I can, if I can constantly step out of my comfort zone, um, which I I'm getting addicted to it, by the way, that's the other thing <laughs> is like, I'm starting to trust that stepping out of my comfort zone and, and doing those things that I'm afraid of, or that I find really uncomfortable. 
Yeah. Um, it actually leads me to feeling good and feeling yeah. alive and all of that. Like, so that's an interesting thing, but when I do it, it's, it like, it, it provides a model in the world and like mm. it inspires other people to, to go a little bit further and then they're going to inspire. And you know, it's this bottom up thing. Right. Yeah. But it's just a, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know exactly where I'm going other than I, I, know. I am so hyped about yeah. spreading courage. Like, yeah. And, 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 and it's funny because when you said like, I think that to engage it, like the core value, courage is the core value that struck something in my own mind uh and it's funny because we're having insights in real time in, in real conversation that's something in my mind which is yeah i do believe that all of the principles that i believe we need to embrace in order to bring a modern golden age start with having the courage uh, some with courage like the courage to be yourself the courage to love yourself the uh and 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 yeah it's it makes it makes total sense like besides having let's let's just riff a little bit on that like besides having uh, a group of people that are all operating on the edge of what it of what's comfortable to them um and besides being on a group where people are constantly being courageous and and going beyond their own uh limits like what are other things that you believe we can do to 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 promote courage? Hmm. That's a good thing. I like. So I, I think a, like there's an idea from um, the Greeks about this idea of a daimon. Is this kind of like a guiding spirit, basically, like the ideal, not the idealized for it's the best version of yourself that lives within you kind of like there's a daimon is a good and demon mm. is bad, mm. is maybe the way of thinking about it. But basically, it's this idea that there's this inner voice that that knows what your potential is, mm. that knows who you can be that knows when you're on the right track, and when you're on the, the wrong track. And it comes, you know, comes back to this idea of intuition and sort of of listening to what's there in the stillness and where it's where it's pointing you. But more and more, I I think the like for me, like like the courage comes from like being like listening to that thing, like trusting that whatever that thing is is pointing me somewhere useful. Mm -hmm. And then it always points me out of my comfort zone to doing something that is just like, oh, I don't know that I really want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's it's doing that thing, and again, it then that reinforces the self trust thing. Um, yeah. And I I guess I just think that like that voice is there for everybody. Like I don't have any data to back that up. Like I don't know. Yeah. yeah but it, it's I I think it's there for everybody. Um, and I think it's all it's pointing all of us at different things. Like mm. something that's really uncomfortable for me. I don't know. Like there's a bunch of people that I know who think ecstatic dance is like fun and wild and enjoyable while I was over here being like, Oh my dog, that's the scariest thing I can imagine. So like, but their daimon, their capital S self, however you want to describe it probably is like pointing them towards something in their lives that is really, really hard so, and uncomfortable yeah. that they're avoiding. Um, and so I think like, that's like the underlying meta pattern that I want mm. to call out is that I think we all have like, we all have different comfort zones. We all have different areas that we need to go into for growth that are going to be, yeah, that are going to be challenging and uncomfortable and scary. Yeah. Um, 
And then that's kind of like the underlying thing or like the underlying pattern that we need to sort of champion yeah. is to go, to go where the discomfort is, to make that a cultural norm. Because I think that's like, that's where the, that's where the magic happens, right? Yeah. That's where we start collectively growing. That's where we all start becoming who we can be. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, 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 make, that making the cultural norm um, embrace, being embracing the, the uncomfortable is, is it's, yeah, that's, that's a very good principle to, to have. Mm. Uh, and Rob, I, I, I believe that that's actually a very uh, good way for us to, to, to wrap up the conversation. Like there's so many things here. I, I'll definitely will really listen to our conversation and try to process a bunch of things. Um, but before we go, um, I, I, I just wanted to ask you, like um, if people want to connect with you, to know mm -hmm. more about you and your work and what you're doing. Um, tell us where they can find you. <sighs> We're going to have to have a part two, man. Yeah, like absolutely. Um, absolutely. So the best place for like, obviously this, some of this business, businessy golden age stuff that we're talking about is on ungated, which yeah. you can find at ungated.media. Um, yeah. Eventually, actually it, within a, a week or two, um, none of my courses are going to be available for individual sale anymore. It's all just going to mm. be under the membership. Mm. Um, but like for people who want to get into the Oasis course or any mm. of the others that I've built, like that's the place for that. Mm. Um, but probably the best place is just Twitter where I'm increasingly weird and vocal and <laughs> just kind of like shit posting instead of really caring about Mark marketing practices or any of that like it's where i go to just kind of have fun and hang around interesting people and have conversations um, yeah and on there i'm uh ungated creative yeah well, we'll, we'll those we'll, are the places yeah we'll definitely post the links on the description uh and we'll definitely are going to have like a part two uh for sure for sure uh right rob just i just wanted to Thank you uh, for real. And, and not only thank you like for the, the conversation and the podcast, but like for, for sharing everything that you did, like not only at the professional level, but as a personal level as well. Like I, 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 I'm really grateful that we, we had this conversation uh, and to everyone that's, that's listening, please go follow Rob and, and show some love and some encouragement because he's a very awesome dude as you just witnessed and and so rob once again thank you so much and for everyone listening if you like the podcast you can consider subscribing it at your favorite podcast platform or on youtube uh and i'll see you all in the next episode rob once again thank you so much huge thank you man this was an absolute blast yeah